This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Broadcasting from a special session of Liberty on the Rocks right here at the Harp Irish Pub. Yay! <laughs> we are at 1425 Market Boulevard in Roswell having a good time connecting with other libertarians and we have conservatives and just people who want to exchange ideas. It's really fun. And uh, our host is the, besides the Harp Pub, which we love, is the Liberty on the Rocks. Uh, chairperson uh, the at liberty on the rocks atlanta what what's your title I austin like chairperson, that chairperson yeah. austin harriman and uh, thank you so much for uh, organizing this event well we're glad to have you here oh, this great. Is, i know that you're liberty on the rocks favorite host uh, or favorite uh, guest thank you it's my favorite event so you get all kinds right all the whole all kinds of libertarians right across the spectrum. Oh, yeah. I think the last one was a guy from Fee, and he was essentially a the straight anarchist. economic yeah. education. Yeah, and, uh, and he was a straight anarchist. So. And where, where do you fall on the spectrum? Uh, I'm fluid. Oh, really? It comes <laughs> and goes. Well, I think, I think anarcho-capitalists, when I hear people like you kind of really go into what, what, what that entails, that really, I, I tend to resonate with that. Ron Paul, I read his, when I read his books, I feel like, Oh, this is me. This is what I really believe I would in. definitely follow, like, I would consent to a government of Ron Paul enforcing the Constitution, restoring the Bill of Rights. Yes. Yeah. That, that's a compromise I could live with. Yeah, and I would say he's anarcho-capitalist, whether he admits he said, to it or not. Yeah, I think that's probably right. As a matter of fact, Rand Paul called me once for a fundraiser before he was actually senator. And he didn't know, you know, I, I was nothing. I was in the Target in the crayon aisle with my <laughs> daughter. And sorry, it was a long time ago before I had a radio show. And I told him that I secretly felt that his father was an anarcho-capitalist. And you could just, you could just hear the life force drain out of him on his like 5,000th call. He was like, what? Uh, an anarcho what? And I just, but in my like vision, I thought he would go home and like, Dad, do you have something to right. tell me? <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I would have taken Rand Paul this yes, last go round. Yes, no, totally. Too, so. Rand Paul, yeah. completely fine. I, I am giving him the benefit of the doubt that he was trying to go for a compromise yes. that would have actually gotten him a win. And it's interesting to note that he actually did less well than his father. The compromise position, and that's what like Hans Hermann Hoppe, a big libertarian yeah. thinker, always says: like people, are, uh, the purity appeals to people. Right. And if you start backing off, that's no good. I have one more question for you. Okay. How far down the rabbit hole do you go? Do you think that the, that conspiracy theories and libertarianism go hand in hand? Well, the more libertarians that I meet, I find out that there's a lot of there's a whole spectrum for whatever reason, and it goes so far in either direction. Some people are really turned off by it. Yeah, by I, the, they, it annoys them. I, I don't know why that is. I understand though. They want. I guess there's a lot of people that really want the libertarians to present themselves, you know, with a suit and tie or something like that. I don't. I don't know what that's all about. But me personally, I go 
all the way down the rabbit hole. All the way down the rabbit hole. In the rabbit hole. All the way down the rabbit hole. Somebody needs to throw you a rope. At yes. Yeah, I think it's because the the left right paradigm and maybe the kinder, gentler libertarian that's there, um, still hoping for a libertarian leading Republican to save the day. That those that there are those people who still ho have hope for the two party system have a very hard time. Uh, criticizing their own side. So if they're going to watch Fox or CNN, they don't. They're like, oh, we're going to lose this election if you if you discredit this information. But once you've lost hope, I feel like you can embrace the truth about how fake the information is. That you can see if you watch CNN, you know it's baloney. But right. if you watch Fox, once you realize that's baloney too, you're like, okay, what's really going on? And then the whole the scales fall from your eyes. Yeah, it's like a cognitive dissonance and a fear, though. Like when we with the last uh, the last. Senate, Senate race here with Johnny Isaacson and they had a libertarian Alan Buckley and I helped Alan yes. and you know it was amazing how much support he had but how many people seemed to be afraid that but that I have enough conservative values that I don't want to jeopardize someone who's conservative at all from losing so I can't it's that throw my vote away thing well and I have so an answer real. to those people who would have thought that Donald Trump Right. The most yes. polarizing. I mean, he was downright foul-mouthed yes. at times. Yes. That he would could say, you know, that Billy Bush thing. You know what? What stars are allowed to do to women? Right. I, I, I wasn't even like oh, horrified. I don't really care. But the fact that he could say that stuff, and that that was something people thought was electable, or as a 12-term congressman. Yeah, that's acceptable, but, you know, but taxation being theft is not acceptable. Right, that's too yeah, radical. That's too radical. So yeah. I feel like anybody who says, because people would say, you can't vote for Ron Paul, you're wasting your vote. If you think if Donald, if you think Donald Trump won fair and square because of a grassroots uprising, then we should probably have a President Ron yeah, Paul right now. I agree. So thank you so much, Austin, thank for, for hosting us and for joining us here. I do, I, I do want to see from the crowd. I'm going to take a call first. But I want to ask people what they think Ron Paul's first 100 days would have been like, what we would really have, um, maybe a dead president. But if, <laughs> if that didn't work, then, then what, it, what it might actually look like. But you can call about that, too, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TORK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to go to a call. I'm going to go to Mark in Sandy Springs. Hi, Mark. You're on with Monica. Hello, Monica. Um, hi, Mark. On, hi. On the tax thing, um, yeah. I listened to Eric von Hessler basically, basically for entertainment value. But last week he said that there is no way that Trump should have had to pay $35 million in taxes. And he's directly at odds with you, so I'd just like to hear your input. Yes. Uh, for me, I th it's really funny because I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this. I've, if you read even libertarians about uh, uh, wealth tax or all sorts of practical economic reasons, you don't really want that. But for me, I, just, I find that the principle is always also the practical answer. Whether, whether we've gotten our principles handed down from a God who gave us human nature, or if these principles have bubbled up from 10,000 years of human civilization, the principles are the principles because they're the right answer. And for me, if you really are looking to a government to protect you and your stuff, and you, the more you have, the more you use, why 
have an income tax where people who are the truly wealthy are not wage earners. They're not, they, they are not making the income tax. It's the professional class that, makes the, that, that earns income and gets taxed. Similarly, if you have any kind of consumption tax, consumption of, at that level is just, I know they say it's not regressive, but just buying stuff at stores. You know, wealthy people aren't buying the The bulk of their expenditures are not buying stuff at stores. They use contracts to make deals. Those are defended in the courts. They have land and property that's defended by the police and, uh, and ultimately the military. So you could do the math in different ways. I think the math would work. And I think that the, the just way is that a person and her property uh, should establish the proportion of taxes. So if, if Trump is really so unbelievably wealthy as that, and he has that many assets, then we're paying to protect those assets, and he can pay too. Um, but I'm an anarcho-capitalist, so I think taxation is theft. I don't agree. And I think the Articles of Confederation were, was the experiment of a limited government it was an experiment that was laid down by people who really, the Enlightenment thinkers, who really understood this sovereignty idea. And, uh, and that experiment lasted eight years until the Constitution replaced the Articles of Confederation and gave the federal government the right to tax. And then growth is just unlimited at that point. Um, and that's it. That's no good. Yeah. Well, I guess Power then. to tax is the power to destroy. So thank you so much for the call, Mark. Let's uh, get some tweets, Binkley. You got a tweet for me? Yeah, I do. Johnny Cook, he agrees with you that we, you know, Ron Paul might not last the full 100 days. He actually thinks that neither Ron nor Rand would make it 100 days, that they both might have some sort of accident. I feel that Rand was a compromiser, and I think, and I, I don't say that badly, I think that he... Uh, he was willing to play the game, and he is willing to play the game, and I, I under, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's doing it to achieve the right goal, to try to get a, a small win. I also think, it's so funny, Bill Hicks, he was that comedian who died young, right? Yeah. I had this, this idea, and I had never even heard of Bill Hicks before. I recently saw it, that he had this idea too, that right after the swearing in, you go back to the Oval Office, and the, they show you the Zapruder film, the film of JFK getting his head blown off. Bill Hicks added a little twist to it where he said, it's just from a different angle. It's like clearly from like the car in front of Kennedy, you know, where they just like, uh, <laughs> this, how do you like, this is our work. And then after that, you don't do anything you said you were going to do. But if you look at Ronald Reagan, Maybe he was a deep state guy, and, uh, and the deep state can't be trusted. But I think it was in his first year, I think it was a matter of months before uh, they shot him. So I don't, and then he got his mind right. <laughs> got his mind right. And, and that was it for him. So, yes, could he accomplish? Could Ron Paul actually accomplish this stuff? I think that he would shake up the system in a way they would have to deal with that Trump won't, that we were hoping for from Trump, but I've been operating under the uh, looks like thesis that Trump was there to replace Ron Paul, replace the Tea Party, to have somebody who defines the right as a European right, a, na a nationalistic, populist 
right, which is not what, and that continuum from libertarian through Ron Paul to the original Tea Party is all about our founding principles, uh, uh, individualism, justice. You know, you think Ron Paul is arguing about liberty all the time, but really, what he what comes down to it, the very base of what Ron Paul is all about is justice. That's why he looks at other human beings in other countries and tells us that golden rule applies to them, that the government does not give us our rights, that they are God-given. So other people have those same rights. And, and a lot of people have a hard time getting their mind around that. But let's talk a little bit about what Ron Paul, if he were actually had any power in office, what, what would the ideal libertarian president do? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. We are broadcasting live from Liberty on the Rocks at the Harp Pub, yay! In Roswell on Market Boulevard. Back after these messages. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are broadcasting live from the Harp Pub in Roswell. The uh, high today of 86, Mars high is also 86. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We were talking about uh, the nexus of Trump's first 100 days and libertarianism, and I asked the question, what would Ron Paul, what would his first 100 days have been like? And here with us at our Liberty on the Rocks event at the Harp is one of my favorite Atlanta activists, Garland from VoterGA.org. Hi, Garland. Hi, Monica. Uh, thanks for uh, asking the question. That's a great question. What would Ron Paul have done? I agree. If he had stayed alive for 100 days, he right. would have never bombed Syria. Absolutely never bombed Why Syria. Why not? Because he's a, not an interventionist. And I'm, I'm concerned that the neocons have already hijacked Donald Trump's foreign policy just in that one act. Oh, I kind of feel like they put him in there just to do that. My litmus test for him was Syria. And I was like, I don't, I'm not buying this guy because he just gets too much free press. You saw what they yeah. did to Ron Paul. They just ignored him. There was no, this just, I smelled a rat. And this and, was the this and, proof positive. And the press, which has been on him constantly, suddenly gives him a total free pass Unanimous. on Syria. I what does that tell that. you? Yes, because the left should be protesting wars, but instead they're focusing, they are being focused on refugees, welcome refugees, but so, you know, just peel the onion one layer, and you're like, stop the wars and you won't have the refugees. They don't want to come over here, yeah. you know, so leave them. What happened to the anti-war people? I don't know. That's, no, Obama put an end to that. So, and, and uh, I feel like the Trump presidency, if he gets us into this big giant war, then they, they didn't want Hillary to do that because that would have really put the, the last nail in the Democrats' yeah. coffin as far as anti-war. So they'll bring you know, Elizabeth Warren in or something to say, oh, I'm a peacenik and she'll, I have to finish this war. I mean, I didn't start it, but dagnabbit, I'm a tough lady. I'm going to finish it. So that's, that's my what to watch out for. Well, well, and plus there was a political motivation as well because that reduced all the criticism about Russia. So yes, it does. Sudden, oh, I think sudden, that now it, he's tough on Russia. I think it played right into the Russia story. I think they I think there was a storyboard on this six months ago. So give me a call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB Talk. Tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. We are broadcasting live from the Harp in Roswell. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.
I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6. I'm here till 6 o'clock at the Harp Irish Pub in Roswell with Liberty on the Rocks. We are connecting with the vast spectrum of Atlanta libertarians, even some conservatives. I think we have some of the grand poobah of the Libertarian Party here somewhere. Maybe we can talk to him. Uh, I'm going to take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can ask me anything about libertarianism. I was wondering what people thought Ron Paul would have done in his first 100 days. Today is the 100th day of Donald Trump's uh, term, his first term. And I just was thinking how interesting, as I've been studying that, it would be to contrast that with what Ron Paul would do, assuming he survived. I'm not sure that's, that's uh, if, Ron, if Ronald Reagan barely survived, I think a Ron Paul would not have survived. I also want to take some tweets at Monica Perez Show. I am going to go to CJ in Indiana. I know CJ in Indiana, but I can't click through. So if somebody can... Ahmad, if you can click, give me that uh, call. That's great. Thank you. CJ, uh, you are on with CJ. You are the CJ of Rogue Money, correct? That is correct, Monica. Awesome. I have been a guest on Rogue Money. I think it's probably, <laughs> I'm not sure I give you and V, the host, any airtime. I'm sure that you have to parse out the number of times you have me on because I do never stop talking. But I'm going to let you talk. Right now, uh, do you want to chime in on maybe what Ron Paul's first 100 days would have been like? Sure. I mean, I definitely would have loved to have seen a Rand Paul or Ron Paul in office in regards to Trump. I think primarily that his inability to govern, you know, he was regarded by many as the outsider, having no political experience. So it'd been very interesting. it would have been very interesting to see a libertarian be able to try to effectively manage when the swamp is just so big in this paradigm of left and right and the ability to get Congress and Senate. I mean, look at it from this perspective, Monica. Donald Trump's a Republican, and he can't effectively even govern having the House and the Senate. Well, you know what would have been cool, CJ? Like the libertarian solution to the Obamacare deadlock. You talk about deadlock in Washington. For me, that's usually a good thing. And that's what the Obamacare, everything they can agree, they can all agree to repeal it. They repealed it like 50 times when they knew Obama would veto it. That is such a tell. It just, it's so funny. But if you had a libertarian there, you'd repeal it and then you'd deal with it. You would, you know, get a little grandfather clause, a little fund going to bridge the gap to people who have already been affected by it. But I don't, I, I never think gridlock in Washington is the problem. The problem is compromise. That's what I'm worried about. So I'll give you exactly. one, one more tidbit, CJ. What's your last word? Yeah, just my last words in regards to, you know, Trump's 100 days in terms of, in terms of liberty. You know, Trump has done pretty much a 180 on everything. When I hear that 96% of the people that voted for him still would vote for him today after his 100 days, I'm just amazed by that figure when you think of how many things that he's flipped on from Trump the candidate versus Trump the president. I think that there is some serious, uh, it's the media influence. I look at Fox News, they basically gave the okay to vote for this guy and they did not for Ron Paul. And now I see 
Fox totally changing the guard, kind of circling the drain. I feel like it's on purpose. I feel like you're going to have this transformed middle of the road. Uh, that was something Dean tweeted at me, and I think it was spot on. They're going to have this middle of the road um, centrist media, and that's going to be your new Republican position. Thanks so much for the call, CJ. I've got somebody here live and in person yes. to to. Talk to us from the heart. We're so lucky, Monica, that Nathan Wilson, who's the executive director of the Georgia Libertarian Party, is with us. We've met Welcome. before, Nathan. Yay! Right here at Liberty on the Rocks. Have we not met before? Right here in this uh, Harp Pub in Roswell? Yes, I'm also the chairman of this organization, so we have... Uh, oh! He's president. Austin's I, the I, president of the of Liberty on the Rocks, and you're the chairman? Yes. Awesome. So you're you're very active, and I, I contend that there's quite a robust... Uh, community of libertarians here in Atlanta. You have Anarchy Atlanta, you have Libertarian Party, Liberty on the Rocks, this whole spectrum. So tell me, give me your two cents. All right, so uh, we were talking about like, what is a libertarian? And uh, one of the biggest things is a libertarian believes in your past, present, and future of liberty. So you have your past, which is your ownership of your blood, sweat, and tears. And then you have your present, your liberty of freedom to move around. And then your future is your life. And no one person or government has the right to take or deny you that. And that, that is the very simple terms that we have. And we talk about you know anarchists and minarchists. It's funny, a libertarian is someone who has either indirectly in their life or in someone in the life that someone they care about, where government has affected life negatively. They usually become a libertarian. They usually become an anarchist <laughs> when they fight the government uh -oh. and lose. Would you have someone like myself? I'm who's, an anarchist. I, I, I'm an anarchist as well, and I'm the executive director. And the reason has come full circle with me getting involved in this organization is because I saw it affecting my family. And I can stand up for myself, but when others are getting affected and you see the government regulations, you need to be able to do something about that. And unfortunately, the political spectrum is one of the biggest ways to help get that voice heard. And as much as I distaste it, yeah. you have to play that game in order to make any progress. And if we hit that 10% mark, I think the ideas of liberty will become the norm and you will have, uh, we'll be having a different conversation. Hopefully the minarchists are the, the people we're complaining about and we need to take it a little step further. I became an anarchist by thinking really hard. And I, so I think there's that way to do it too and really digging in. I agree with you that there is some, there's some value in fighting the fight. So I really am on the thousand year plan of we won't have voluntarism until so coercive power becomes a taboo, like slavery, where people are like, oh no, that guy wants power. And that's not gonna happen until we've run the course of what people are still smoking the Kool-Aid that the American experiment is continuing. I, and I feel like until, I, I'm afraid to say that as, until that <clears throat> demonstrates that it really was not possible to have a monopoly government limit itself that uh, people are not going to open their eyes. I have to cut real quick for a traffic red alert, uh, and I'll be right back. This is a traffic red alert from the WSB 24-Hour Traffic Center. 443 Coleraine Carrier, WSB 24-Hour Traffic Center, and this is in Gwinnett County, 316 westbound at Harbins Road. Serious crash with injuries, three vehicles involved, tractor, trailer, uh, tanker truck. It's carrying fuel, all lanes blocked uh, westbound. It's also affecting eastbound travel, and we're told they're going to have to possibly offload all that fuel. 316 westbound shutdown at Harbins Road. Now more of Monica Perez on WSB. 
So we are here at the Harp Pub in Roswell at Liberty on the Rocks, and I am talking to Nathan Wilson, who is the chairman of Liberty on the Rocks, but also the Libertarian Party, right? And you have, uh, but you also say you're an anarchist. So I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I don't believe in the power of government, but I do what I'm doing. So I try to, to defend the Bill of Rights as a compromised position that I wouldn't mind kicking the can down the road of the crisis I believe that we're going to have to experience to really come out the other side and have truly just government. I worry for my kids. I really am not the one who wants to just you know, light it all up right now. I think we might be able to kick the can far enough down. It doesn't have to be that traumatic. But what what is your... If you could just tell me in a nutshell what you think our best hope is, kind of why you're doing what you do, but in a nutshell. Uh, I think the best thing so far is what we see right now going state to state. And so you see the rejection of the federal mandates. And so if we have several of the departments basically being taken care of through that means, then we have a much larger leverage essentially with the federal government in order limiting the size of it. I did, uh, it caught my eye, and I haven't really dug too far into it, but I like the, is it the Tenth Amendment Society? There's a new organization that I've seen. Are you familiar with that at all? Are you okay with it? Yeah, <laughs> and someone want to call for the Articles Confederation to, to basically to put in the uh, it, the Constitutional Convention type thing. It's, it's taken well, that, a little, little further than... That I wouldn't do. I, I, maybe I've got the wrong organization, but the Tenth Amendment group wants to restore states' rights. The Constitutional Convention, I'm actually against that because... Yeah, you too? Yeah, it's a little terrifying because it does put it in the hands of the majority, and you could restructure the government actually stronger and yes. less, less in, force In my rights. opinion, there is absolutely no chance on earth the black and white of the Constitution and Bill of Rights is going to be improved upon by tearing it up and starting over in today's day and age. They don't adhere to it. If they did, I, I could live with that. I would like it. I think it's theoretically impossible to have a course of monopoly government with the right to tax and uh, you know monopoly on violence and have them protect our rights. But if it were ever going to happen, it's there already in the Bill of Rights. Thank you so much, Nathan. Uh, anything you want to... Um, add or promote, you can always contact us. Uh, follow me at Twitter, Nathan, the number four, Liberty. Fantastic, at Nathan for Liberty, number four. Thanks, Nathan. Binkley, let's, uh, let's go to Twitter. You got a tweet for me? Anything current? Yeah, HF says that he just loves it when you talk about the Constitution. I love talking about the Constitution, HF, I have to say. Yeah, he loves he's, listening. He's down with that. <laughs> I Actually, you can talk about the Constitution. People think that it's the super complicated and you're so smart if you're a con law professor or whatever. But you just really, honestly, have to read it. Like, that's all you have to do. So when people, these guys in the Republican Party, walk around with their Constitution and little flag pin, and then vote for NSA funding. I would say, you know, it, do, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to read the Fourth Amendment. So this guy, uh, that, that's the big problem I have with the Republicans is that it's all talk. And in one of my favorite books, Our Enemy the State by Albert J. Nock, which he wrote in the 30s, he writes exactly that. Like they, they, even back then, they would pull out their constitution and they would talk about it until it didn't serve their purposes and then they would put it back in their pocket. So never changes. Let's do more of that after the break. I want to get to uh, some more calls, more uh, voices from our event today, which is a special session of Liberty on the Rocks.
It is here at the Harp Irish Pub uh, at, on, at 1425 Market Boulevard in Roswell. You can, you can call 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. Tweet at me at Monica Perez Show or come on down to the Harp in Roswell. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Intervals of clouds and sunshine tomorrow. High of 86. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we are here at Liberty on the Rocks, live from the Harp Irish Pub in Roswell, having a great time talking about Liberty. There are a lot of different ideas, exchanging ideas. Who knew the head of the Libertarian Party was an anarcho-capitalist? I mean, you know, these people have hidden depths. And you can find out what all this means if you want to come down or just call in or listen in, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to go to a regular caller, Reggie. Hi, Reggie. You're on with Monica. Hi, hi Monica. How are you doing? Happy Saturday to you. Long time. Yeah, why, why didn't you come down to the Harp, Reggie? I'd love to meet you in person. You're a regular caller. Because I can't drive because I don't, I don't have a car because I can't drive. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, get, I'll let you off the hook. What do you have to say? We got about a little more than a minute, a minute or so. Tell me what you got. Well, I wonder, like you said, well, you brought up CNN and Fox, but the network that you hadn't brought up was uh, MSNBC. And why do they keep covering Donald Trump psychotically or psychotically upset with Donald Trump? Aren't they more equally important, relevant news in the world, such as terrorism and all of that? You know, why did they well, let me ask you a question, Reggie. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see the uh, leaked audio that Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski were interviewing Trump during the campaign and said to him at the break, like uh, they called down the line on the mics, they were talking and, and actually asked him if they could ask him this question. And he said, no, nothing hard. Don't ask me that question. And they did it. And this, they, in the face of it was that they were super tough on him. But right. actually, it seemed very stage managed. And my guess is that continues. They don't want to talk about real issues. They want to continue to make him look like he's fighting against all odds. Right. And you why, with me on you know, that? Why, yeah. Why did they do that? I know. Well, they did it. I think my for me, the litmus test was whether or not he would escalate the war in Syria. I think you probably know as well as I do that the Syrian thing is more about a, pipe, a pipeline running gas from Qatar to Europe than it is about ch saving children. And and for me, I just feel like if. He failed that test, and now I believe that we were basically led down a garden path that this guy was really an outsider, but he's just continuing the foreign policy of his predecessors, I'm sorry to say. But we can talk about uh, Trump's 100 days, first 100 days if you want. At the bottom of the hour, I think I'm going to do a little rapid fire what I think about 10 issues in 100 days, but you can call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We are broadcasting live from the Heart Pub in Roswell. Yeah.